and welcome to Pod on the Dog episode 29. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Instinct and I've got a discount code for you all. Now Natural Instinct, like myself, understand how vitally important your dog's diet is and how it's such a big contributor to the overall health and well-being of your dog. They offer a no-stress, no-mess, convenient way of feeding a complete raw diet which for a busy mum like me is exactly what I need. So make sure you enter the discount code Verity15 at the checkout and receive 15% off. So I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in dogdom. Now on to my guest. I met this trainer on the set of Pooch Perfect, Mama to Sheridan sidekick Stanley, well his actual name's Ponte, but I was wowed by her ability to train her dogs. Well, just to do anything, really. Working as a trainer for over 23 years, she has a history of also working with the amazing charity Battersea Dogs and Cats Home. And she's also an equine nurse. She has a wealth of experience and knowledge. And I'm really just excited to get to know her more, get the lowdown on her career, and hopefully get some insight into her wonderful and slightly off-the-wall career that is being a trainer for animals in film and TV. It's Laura Ingle. Hi, aka Pets on Set. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Laura. Are you okay? Thanks for joining me tonight. You're very welcome. Did I get all that right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> now, a little backstory from you, Laura. How on earth did you get into this job? I mean, there's not many of you guys around, surely. They're growing. <laughs> yeah. Or people getting into it. Um, oh, it's. <laughs> It's an accumulation of things. I mean, I worked at the dog's home for a few years and stayed working kind of remotely for them or fostering and and going in and helping out on certain occasions. Done a few Christmases, Christmas days at the dog's home. Wow. Which is- yeah. Um, so when I was there, I did quite a bit of stuff with Paul O'Grady and the Pog Dog stuff with my mm-hmm. old um, – we did all the kind of funny skits and things. And then – um and then I did a job for a lady and with one of my dogs who was a model and then for that job they wanted a border collie and he was quite good on the set so she asked me to come back and do some more stuff and then I ended up working for her for a few years um and then I started out on my own a couple of years ago with pets on set Wow, she must have realised there was obviously a, a gap in the market and, you know, your dogs were in demand and they were able to, you know, perform what I suppose what they needed to do. It was a job for a, you know, a dog like a collie as well. It was happy to yeah. oblige with the job, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a difficult industry to get into and to be in and make contacts in because, of course, most people – if they've worked with someone that's done a good job for them, they'll go back to them again. Um, so it's taken a little while to get, you know, to build up contacts and producers yeah. and that that want to use you. And I try not to be the agency that can supply absolutely everything. It's more about quality over quantity. I like to look at it like going to a pub. If yeah. you go to a huge menu chances are the food isn't going to be as good as the pub with the smaller menu you know with the with the better quality food so um I I like that yeah (laughs) yeah so try and keep most of the training in-house with 
you know, licensed and professional trainers because, of course, you have to be licensed now to take an animal on set. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we just try and try and make sure that the, our animals are, are trained, you know, with a bit extra training than, than your average pet dog. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, and I know, obviously, from working with you, your dogs are still dogs. They're still totally oh, normal Rolling in exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Walking every day, yeah. Freedom. They are very much dogs, and they're they're my my babies more than anything else. And I have a few dogs here that don't really work at all, um, and that's fine. They don't have to. I've got a cat that doesn't work really, and they're you know they're 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 my babies before they're anything else for sure. Yeah, but also I can see the joy. And, and the fulfillment your dogs get out of their work, you know, because dogs want to please that, you know, they, they've they been with us for so many thousands of years to to work for us as, as people, as a human race, haven't they? And so this is just a, a weird angle that we're still Absolutely. fulfilling their ambitions, aren't we? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice because... Uh, a few of my dogs that have come to me have come, they're all rescue dogs and they've all come, not all of them have come with problems, but some have come with nervousness and, and mm. fear of strangers. And actually the film work has, has benefited them hugely. Little Bella, mm. my, my smallest dog, who's a Jack Russell cross chihuahua, came. So cute. The- she literally looks like the HMV dog. <laughs> she does. <laughs> She came with some, you know, real nervous aggression and oh, really? anticipated her becoming a film dog. She came as a foster dog and then she I was doing a film at the time and she just ended up staying because mm. I I couldn't I didn't have time to kind of do anything with her at the time. She just kind of had to tag along and then she ended up staying and she's now probably my best film dog. She's you know, she's learnt to work around people and with people and she doesn't she doesn't love people necessarily, but she's she has learnt that going on set means it's fun. She's going to get some nice food. Yeah, so and she'll I, tolerate the fact that there's other people there for, yeah, for the so, joy of the job. So they become, you know, they're they're the reason for her getting the food mm. and loves it. Exactly. So then it becomes a positive, you know, yeah. reinforcement. Yeah, exactly. that's amazing. Yeah. So, Tell me about your menagerie. Obviously, I know you've got cats and dogs, parrots. Do you actually live with the parrots as well? Yep. I Amazing. Have. Oh, my gosh. So who's in your pack at home? Talk to me about them. And Oh, and did you all get them as puppies? Or I think you said that a lot of them are they're all rescue, right? They're all rescued. Um, I have four Border Collies um, wow. and uh, two of them were puppies when I got them, but they were Battersea dogs. Mm. Um, I have two scruffy mutts, Ponty, and another one called Marty, who's a lurcher. Lovely. Uh, and then I have little Bella, who's the Jet Russell Cross Chihuahua, and then I have a great Dane. Oh, yeah, so he's stunning. Yeah, Dave, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you've got a house full. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I've got four cats um, and Boop Boop the Macaw. Boop Boop. So the cats aren't trainable like the dogs because obviously it's a myth, isn't it, that you can't teach an old dog new tricks? It is a myth. But cats are really, really smart. Um, I don't know, were you in the studio when we 
Yes, I was when your ginger, your ginger baby came in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an awesome cat. He's like a dog. Um, but I got him at quite a young age and he's just, he's just desensitized to the outside world. So he's, he's quite confident in, Mm. in strange environments. My black cat who I got when he was about 14 or 15 weeks, he was, um, ish. He came off a farm that somebody had just sort of dumped him on a farm And he came to me via my vets and he's definitely more of a spooky cat. He kind of missed those early, early weeks of being yeah. able to socialise him with, um, you know, people and, and different environments. So yeah. he didn't do too much work. And then my other two cats, one of them was a, a rescue and one was, um, but, it, but he was also a kitten. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they're great because they're all well socialised. They come out with me all the time and go walking and all sorts yeah, of Yeah, that's yeah. fabulous. My dad's always had Burmese cats and they're like dogs. Apparently they're like one of the closest cats to dogs. Yeah. You can play fetch with them and everything. You know, you yeah. go around for dinner and you can throw these little mice across their kitchen diner and the cats will retrieve them. And, yeah. and even my, I've got a rescue, Moggy. She's 17 now, but I taught her to sit like a dog. Yeah. 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 And it was remarkably easy. I just don't think people try. No, I think that's exactly it. And the problem is that cats will do nothing for nothing. Generally, you need to be able oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something. I mean, I'm the same. I don't want to do. <laughs> Me <nothing>. too, Laura. <laughs> I don't do nothing for nothing anymore. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the cats are really fun to teach. I, I love training the cats. I find it really, really satisfying. And, and it's so funny when I used to teach people, you know, used to show people, sorry, I used to come around to my house and be like, oh, no, my cat can sit too. Get a treat out, obviously, and she would sit. I mean, although it was a much slower sit than the dogs sit. You know, like how dogs go, sit. Yeah. The cat was like, uh, sit. I think the difference is hundreds of years of domestication. Cats are still sort of semi-feral yeah. with them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Apart from you can see the difference in, like, your dad's Burmese. They're, the, mm. the ones got more breeding, uh, uh, you know, less feral and more domesticated, and they're a lot easier to deal with in many ways, or not spooky. But yeah, mm. your, your average moggy is is a generally still very aware of its environment. Hundred percent. There, you can tell, aren't they? They're on high alert all the time. You know, yeah. That you know they are a predator, but they also are uh, prey, and absolutely. they act like it, don't they? You know the so, way that they. And it makes going on set quite stressful because mm. people don't think about that. You know, they say cut and everyone grabs their stuff and the, cl- the clapboard and, you know, moves everything and you're like, don't. And the cat's like, pow, 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 pow. yeah. <laughs> the cats, yeah. So it's, it can be a bit of a, a pain with cats and I'm very martyrish when I'm on set with a cat. Yeah, I think it's probably just important to brief and remind everybody, you know, they may not yeah. have worked with a cat before, you know. Yeah. I mean, so it's can, easy, especially if the cat's there performing so well, it's easy to forget, isn't it? You know? and, they, and I think that's just it. And, and often they'll be like, you know, someone said to me the other week, oh, well, the cat doesn't look scared. And I'm like, no, because by the time he's scared, it's too late, you know. So you know, the cats are like, they just bolt. You can't get them back. So you know, you can't bring them back if they're spooked by something. So it really is a case of I won't ever allow something to happen as much as I can pers- possibly avoid it. Yeah. So that it can't happen for the cats. So, yeah. But that's, that's the cat. 
the dogs, yeah, and the parrot who free flies. And again, parrots, they need so much stimulation as well. They are uber intelligent. And you can't just leave them in a cage or anything because then they start plucking out the feathers and becoming extremely depressed, aren't they? I promised myself if I was going to get a parrot that I would teach it to free fly. And I've seen videos. Everybody, you need to check out these videos. They're incredible. (laughs) He loves it. And it, you know, he just, I just literally walk the dogs and he comes along flying. Oh my gosh. What do people say, Laura? I know. But you know how often people don't even notice he's there? Yeah, this is true. It's funny. Look at all the dogs because there's a great Dane. And, and then you walk off and the... In between and they yeah. no notice the parrot. Oh, I love it. I had that one. So I climbed um, several peaks in the Lake District with my dogs and I took my old girl because I wanted to take her with me. But I've got a big hiking rucksack. So oh. I used to put her in and out and it had just a little head would pop out the top. And it's the same thing. She went on all this walk and not one person noticed there was a little poodle <laughs> popping out of her rucksack. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. really cute. So, I mean, I, I'm quite happy. Oh, look, someone's getting a bit of we're, foam. We're getting lots of, I've seen, I've seen a black tail walk past the camera. <laughs> we've had cute little Bella and now we've got one of your collies. Yeah. He looks like a lovely male. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a lovely Mel? Oh. <laughs> He's lovely to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, obviously, you've worked with the charity Batty Dogs Homes, as you say, um, Batty Dogs and Cats Home. Now, how was this experience? Obviously, this was the experience that sort of catapulted you into what you're doing now. But looking back at those Batty days, that must have been really quite rewarding, but also heart-wrenching at the same time. Was it a real eye-opener? Yeah. Um, it was very different in those days. We're talking 20 odd years ago mm. when we had, you know, something like seven to 800 dogs in at a time. Wow. Uh, What's the numbers now then? Seven or eight, maybe. Yeah. So, that, so their turnarounds, obviously, they're not getting as many dogs through their doors. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of a lot of the neutering and things have, have helped all the, that information has stopped a lot of breeding. And, you know, back in those days, there was there were just so many dogs. I mean, so many dogs. And since mm-hmm. then, had a recession. So, you know, I guess. Yeah. Things- also, my but- mum said when, you know, obviously this is going back even further, but People, when they needed to let the dogs out for the loo, they just used to just let them roam around. They just literally roam around the streets. Yeah. Dogs. And, they, and they did. I mean, even at the time I lived, I lived in London whilst I worked there mostly and I lived in Southfields and Wimbledon, which is quite sort of a bit more maybe gentrified upmarket upmarket um but I did live in Peckham for a while Mm -hmm. which at the time was yeah very much a working class sort of estate wasn't it yeah I mean it's hugely different now it's quite amazing some of Peckham now but Mm -hmm. um but then you know it wasn't and there were a lot of latchkey dogs then you see them just roaming around it's just the norm of some of the things but um yeah yeah, it was it was an incredible experience, and I loved it. Um, it you know, it's it's hard. Like I think people don't realize 
how emotionally draining it is to work in a rescue center and what people a lot of rescue do. And I know that, and I'm guilty of it as well as the whole, you know, pro rescue. And I, you know, a lot of the oh, you breeders, bloody breeders, yeah. Yeah. you know, what about all the poor rescue dogs? And I think slowly I'm maturing and realizing it's not always the case. You know, breeders are great and we do need breeders and we need people who care about. We need about responsible them. breeders, though, who yeah. are breeding for the better of their breeds, not just for exactly. money, which unfortunately we have seen a lot of during the exactly. pandemic. Exactly. But it's really easy to become obsessively pro-rescue I guess it is like people who become obsessively vegan and obsessively environmental yeah yeah because they really are passionate about what they believe in and I and Mm -hmm. I get that you know it's when you're walking into a a rescue center and you're seeing little faces Mm. desperately wanting some loving oh that's heart-wrenching yeah have changed a heck of a lot in the last, you know, 15 years. We we used to have to put dogs to sleep a lot. and, and Yeah, because and, there were so many. There were so many and Battersea have a, a no sort of selection policy, so they'll take in anything, which people forget. I think a lot of the other charities have a selective intake, which means that, they will assess the dog before it comes and if it has a history of biting, whatever, they say no, yet Battersea don't. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, constantly diss Battersea for putting dogs to sleep, but they might take in dogs that have really savaged someone's face and you can't just go putting them back out into or or attacked another dog badly. uh, Yeah, or, uh, you know, an RTA that's, you know, literally has no hope of having uh, any quality of life perhaps or something that's been brought in, things like that. Exactly. So, Mm. you know, they they do do a great job and they they work hard with other smaller rescues and are quite supportive of other smaller rescues as well. Um, Mm. And, you know, things have changed there now. I think they – there's a huge process before a dog is ever decided to be put to sleep. A lot of people have to assess the dog and it gets opinion after opinion. So it's not just one person who maybe doesn't like that dog in particular. It goes through a whole stream of people and, and there's very few dogs nowadays that really get put to sleep that maybe didn't deserve it. Back in the day when I worked there, sometimes there were just too many dogs and you just had to go through. And- I remember when I was a girl, um, that if your dog went into, got picked up by the warden, it was very much Lady in the Tramp sort of style, that if it was in there for more than two weeks or something, that would be it. Yeah. and I, I mean, yeah. it was harsh. It didn't yeah. matter what the situation was with the dog. If it didn't yeah. get picked up by a rescue, then it was just, it was put to sleep. Absolutely. Also. A lot of the pounds, certainly in Ireland and, and, and maybe even in Wales, still work like that if no one will take the dogs on. So, you know, it's it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard place, but it's also super satisfying when you find that dog the perfect home and you see people walk off and they look so thrilled and then you get the... And then you get the feedback afterwards as well. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the best, best part of it for sure. And I've fostered for the last 20 years. I mean, I do a little less fostering now because it's difficult with my job. With so many dogs and cats and parrots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and and just it's more you know going on jobs and having to leave dogs for you know longer days and whatever so that's the difficult thing but um yeah yeah, yeah. totally get that yeah now, obviously, back to your current work, what sort of productions have you been involved in? Like you do TV commercials, general TV, and you do film as well, right? Yeah, um, anything and everything. So we might do stills photography for a fashion label or um, we've recently done a big job for Tatler. Oh, nice. Uh, Upmarket. Yeah, done a few Netflix series. Um, I saw you did uh, Catherine Ryan's. Yes, yeah, that was that was a fun one with some little little people on that one. Yeah, because Catherine the, Ryan, I, I love Catherine Ryan, the comedian, and uh, she's a big dog lover, isn't she? She is, and she's a really really nice girl. Yeah, yeah. She's, I'm a big fan girl of hers. She's amazing. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was lovely. She was really good with the dogs, and she loved the dogs. She's got loads of little. Yeah, she has little poodle silly poodle. dogs like me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she I think she has as well. And she always yeah. makes me laugh because she's always like, "All oh, my dogs piss from the eyes," <laughs> <laughs> which just makes me laugh because Shih Tzus do piss from the eyes. They do. <laughs> just the way she says it, I'm just like, oh, so get it. She's hilarious. No, she's she a nice girl. That was fun. Um, and just done a um, another one that's due to come out. Um, we had some Labradors on it. That was with Sienna Miller and Rupert Friends. That was really fun. That was called Anatomy of a Scandal. Fabulous. That, that comes out fairly soon, I think. Um, yeah, lo- lots of things, all sorts, lots of TV commercials. Mm. Um currently doing a, a series that's a sort of dark comedy which I think will be fun I can't really oh, say nice. what it, but um it's had a, a kitten on it and Bella was on it as well oh fabulous yeah so that should be good is it like a Netflix or BBC uh, or Apple TV actually. oh is it cool yeah yeah also I can't wait to see because you obviously post all your upcoming things when you're allowed to on your website yeah, and Instagram yeah. and everything so we'll know soon should be fun. It's um, it's got an Irish comedian in it who's hilarious. So, the whole thing, from what I can see, it's always a bit hard to tell when you're on set because mm, you're doing your job and you've got what half an ear in maybe. Yeah. yeah, and you're kind of only seeing a couple of scenes, so you don't really know. But it seems like it'll be quite a funny, funny series. I think. <laughs> Great. Funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, with your job, you must get asked obviously for animals to do all sorts of things from natural looking things like running and you have to obviously get them to do this natural behavior on cue but also some really off the wall stuff as well like comedy skits maybe things like that so what's the most complex trick that you've actually been asked to train them to do I would say (laughs) for me the most Mm. complex I've trained a dog to do is to make it look like it's being put to sleep oh wow um and I was super proud of my training on that one because it really does look quite authentic well done you (laughs) yeah you can actually think I've got it on my Instagram um wow I'm gonna find it yeah it's with a little shih tzu cross um and yeah ironically we got paid a lot of prep to to teach this dog this Mm. this trick as such um and 
it took hours of training and you know lots of build up to it and and doing it in little stages and it was really good and then on the day we shot it and it looked incredible um and then they cut it because it was too real and they thought that that the audience would be too upset if they saw <laughs> which I get but man <laughs> what was the dog meant to do to pop its eyes open at the end like only joking <laughs> exactly I was so disappointed because it worked so well on the day you know with all the practice it had looked brilliant mm. you never know on the day and he just nailed it on the day but yeah it didn't get seen but it's oh, a pretty oh no gutted well we can it, find it on your Instagram that's incredible yeah. Obviously, what training method do you use then? Do you have any sort of tips or processes that you can tell us at home or on here that can help me to try and include more complicated tricks into my dog's repertoire other than the usual high five um, yeah. rollover shenanigans? <laughs> um, I think a lot of it, I, I mean, everything I train in terms of tricks and things is clicker. Mm-hmm. I've uh, seen you use a target stick as well. Well, yeah, it's not so much a target stick. It's a bait stick that I use. So I have food on the end of that stick and my dogs learn to watch the stick. Uh, yeah. They take their eye lines so that they're not always staring at me um, and the cats as well. And the cats, we, we actually do it as well because they scratch your hand off trying to get the food from you. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, the bait stick's great. It teaches them to look, you know. Wherever, and, Yeah wherever it is so you don't have to be because sometimes it's really hard when you have to be in a certain place and the dog or cat has to be some looking somewhere else well I remember this from Pooch Perfect you'd literally sometimes just be out of camera shot wouldn't you and yeah you, and stood on a stool be like come on Ponty look this that, way that was the most difficult because we shot so much of that as such a wide angle mm. you know big like crane. a whole studio full yeah, you couldn't really be anywhere, which made life very difficult. Um, mm. Because he was obviously wanting to look to his mum for guidance. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they can't read your mind. So, mm. um, so it was a, that was a, quite a difficult one. But um, you know, normally on a film set, they would do a pickup of the dog. So go in and do a nice close shot of the dog doing whatever it has to do. So it's not, or they'll do it from a few different angles. So it's not. Yeah so difficult but um yeah pooch was harder because yeah and then you were trying to get Sheridan to almost have that connection with him and try and you know which is difficult because you're his, she you're the his something she has to say she's got lines to say and yeah that, yeah. that and you're his mom you know yeah yeah it's tricky it's tricky yeah yeah so, you, so it's all just clicker training just re- repeat 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 yeah, it's like a it's like a build it's like a painting, I guess. You know, you start with your background, all your basic stuff, sit mm-hmm. down, stay, as most people have with their own dogs. Mm-hmm. And then you start adding in smaller things, maybe a paw, and then the mm-hmm. paw can turn into a touch. Um off the then, nose, and then it could be hiding, right? Exactly. So all it's like an accumulation of stuff. You start building bits of your painting on and, and adding to them. So so then I you think, just find a new cue, would you, for when, you know, so they're giving you the paw and then it goes near the face and you just yeah. use a different cue for that. Yeah, exactly. So you build up. I mean, the one where we teach them to hide the face, we often do it by putting a little bit of sticky tape on their nose so they go to take it off and then we click and reward at that point 
that they're doing yeah. this. And they start to realize that when they do this, that's when they're going to get some nice food and then it builds yeah. up there. Um, and when, when you watch you click and reward, it's literally like click, boom, treat. So they know straight yeah. away, isn't it? Immediately they start to realize. Yeah, no fumbling that. around in the treat bag for two minutes. <laughs> no, exactly. And the click has the click is always done at that exact point where you're getting the behavior that you're looking for. So they start to realize that when they hear that click, they start thinking, hmm, what was I doing before I got that bit of food and before she clicked? Well, I'll try it again. I'll see what it is. That... And some mm. dogs, some of my dogs, and I guess other dogs that do other disciplines where, you know, like here work to musical stuff where a lot of people use clickers um, in the trick training is that they start to really think about what it is you know they they realize very quickly so Bella for example um and Tuggy so my little one and one of my colleagues had to learn to scratch for a job it was for a flea collar yeah and very quickly if you put a loose collar on Bella it often annoys her and makes her scratch herself so I put a loose collar on and she went to scratch herself and I clicked twice and she knew immediately that's what she wants. That's what mummy wants. Yeah. She was like, oh. And it's, it's only because you're constantly working these dogs then that they know now that mum's got her clicker out, mum's got her treats out. This is work time. What am I doing? What am I doing? Am I doing this? Am yeah. I doing that? And they'll be obviously going through the repertoire trying to figure out. What it, and then they'll be like, that's what she wants. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And there's just no no reward for when it's wrong. But if it's if they're doing it wrong, you know, if they're doing something, I don't know, if I'm asking for a bow, for example, mm. to bow a downward dog and they lie down, then they just there's just no reward. They don't it's not that they get told no or anything, they just don't Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's then just food driven positive reinforcement and it's like that but obviously i can imagine that it has to be a certain type of dog's personality can you train any dog to do this sort of thing I actually, or surely you're looking for attributes aren't you um i actually think you can as long as that dog has something that it's motivated by that it wants enough so the attribute mm. dog so i've just trained a bulldog recently he's on a he's on a current gala bingo ad and he's holding a a, buck, a, a basket with some pegs in it. Mm. Um, you might spot it on the television. The guy's sort of bouncing on a on a clothesline. No, but I'm definitely going to try and look out for it. <laughs> the Next time I see a dog on telly, I'm just going to think, is that one of Laura's training? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's holding this basket and we had to teach him a hold. And, you know, bulldogs are notoriously difficult to train. But actually, mm. we cut his food back. He was a bit overweight and we, we cut his food back and he's now, he, he's on, he's raw fed. He looks fabulous. And he's now, you know, 32 kilos from being 38. And he's now at the point where he's got enough motivation for foods that he'll mm. work hard to try and get it. So he's now, oh, okay, now I think I have to. And he's it. dropped weight. He's got more energy. Feels good. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and he's a, he's a fabulous dog to work with. I love it. But he's not a collie you know that there's a difference in the way they learn but he's mm. he's he's excellent to work with so yeah i think any dog is trainable if it has some motivation that it wants enough yeah definitely i, t- I totally get that i i know with um my old dobie blaster i could just teach her anything she was just one yeah. of those dogs that was just 
she like a sponge. Yeah, she just lo- and she loved performing wanna, party tricks. Yeah, yeah. I think some dogs, some dogs want to just do it, and they. D- some of my colleagues would just do it because they're such nice dogs, and then my other dogs are like, "Well, you don't have anything in it for me. I'm not going to bother." Yeah, um, yeah. Different, but yeah, I, I think I, the it's, it's like the applause, the praise. Like we'd always give her a treat at the end, but she'd go through a repertoire. You know, at parties, everybody'd be getting to do it. She'd just be like, "Sure, yeah, <laughs> exactly." <laughs> yeah. Adorable, like typical. Some people love being in the spotlight and some don't. Exactly, 100%. Yeah. So what's a typical day look like for you, Laura? Obviously, you've got a lot to juggle animal care-wise and obviously with your work. Yeah, um, well, a non-filming day is just, you know, dealing with everyone here. Walks, the cats all get walked if if I can, um, or worked, as in, I'll take them to a pet shop or something and try and get them out and about and mm. give them some stimulation as well as um, keeping them. If you have to keep cats going out and about and staying social or they quickly revert to being quite nervy. Um, the bird gets a fly and the dogs all get a nice big walk. Um, yeah. Do you have to get up early or are they not too demanding? No. Well, I've got a dog flat, which helps, I think. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Just out. But I'm really fortunate, but also really intolerant. I, w- I can't be dealing with dogs that have to be fed at 6am and have to be out for a walk by 6.30. I just, yeah. I, my life's too varied for that. Oh, I I'm totally with you. <laughs> I just walk past my dogs. I'll be with I've not forgotten. I've yeah. not forgotten, but I've got a million things. I've got to feed the kids first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need a wee. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've got all this stuff to do. Yeah, I'm yeah. like that with my dogs. My dogs just sort of hang around the kitchen. Like, yeah. must be time soon. Super lazy. I mean, if I stayed in bed till three o'clock, I don't think they'd care. Yeah, Not, yeah. But they, I really don't think that they, they just lie there with me. They're super chilled about that. But, you know, when we go for a walk, they're all maniacs as, as normal. Yeah, but do you think that's because they're so stimulated that their mind's I, content? I think so. But also they've all learnt that they have to just lie down and chill out. I think that's where people go very wrong with some border collies is that they mm. have to stimulate them all the time. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. They have the overstimulation. So they've got dogs that can't ever switch off. And I think yeah. it's, these guys have all learnt the vital rule of the house, which is when we're at home, because they get plenty of outdoor time, we just go and lie down and switch off. And that's really important that when I say go and lie down, I think yeah. that's going to be Just have a quiet time, yeah. Yeah, my bird's first words are going to be go and lie down. <laughs> they might not be that polite. I, oh. I used to say that to my baby. I'd be like, any best, any yeah. bet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> click and point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the finger of doom. I mean it now. <laughs> yeah, I know, no, no, that's that's it. But I <laughs> I do it all the time. It's the finger. Like when I'm getting really serious, the pointy finger comes out and the eye. I give them this side eye look like yeah. And they go, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't need to raise your voice, just the give them a look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the husband. <laughs> um yeah, and then on a film day, God, it could be anything. Who knows? You know, it's, it changes every single job, but it'll be get up early, mm. go for a walk, go to set, work the work the animal and mm. some So I presume some of them are like one day and some of them are like when you worked with me, 
in Salford, it was a whole month. Yeah, that was really unusual. I mean, it was, that's it's not, long. It's long. not on for me anyway. I'm sure there are other trainers out there who you know do a lot more mm. location that might be away for for longer periods. But um, yeah, that was quite unusual. That was a whole month up in Manchester. I mean, I mm. love, but it meant being separated from most of my other animals. So I took the cats yeah. up. Yeah, you you brought um, your other collie as well, didn't you? Yeah. The one that we just saw, did, was it him who came? Yeah, Tuggy and Bella came with Ponty yeah. and, then, and, then, and the cats and then, yeah, everybody else was kind of palmed off to other people for a month. Yeah, gosh, yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Can you look after my dog for a month? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a long time to ask people to do it. So, yes, it wouldn't be something I'd do too often. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Laura, if you didn't do this job, what do you think it is that you do? Paramedic. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 100%. People. People. Yeah. I'd love to be a paramedic. I mean, I still... You still see the vans whizzing past and you think, oh, is it too late? I'm obsessed with eyeballs falling out and things like I love. Oh, stop. I can't cope. That's like, that's it. That is the opposite of me. I cannot cope with anything like that. Oh, so bad. Gore, give me anything. I'm that person that wants to find the dead person in the woods. No. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. I know. But I just. That is weird. I know. But I've just got this like. I think I just watch all those crime things and I think they're kind of... Oh, you're going to like The Undoing. I was just telling Laura earlier, everybody, to watch The Undoing because she was telling me we were talking about how she'd worked with Hugh Grant. Amazing. (laughs) Working with the A-listers. And so I said, you need to watch The Undoing. So, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of of gore in that, but... Excellent. I can't cope with anything heavier than The Undoing, by the way. Just so you know. (laughs) That's, you know, I'm pretty lightweight. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and no. also, are you the sort of person when there's anything wrong with the dog, you're like, "Oh, let me see, let me see." But like, obsessed with like, my Great Dane has got this like little pimply thing on his face that always is like squeezable. It's so much. Oh, fun. is it like? Is he young? Yeah, although it's I don't... like yeah, it's like an acne thing, isn't it? That they get on the yeah. chin. But he's just got the one. It's more like a sort of polypy type thing for is him. It? Mm-hmm. doesn't look like you've sort of standard acne. It's a funny little, oh, but it's very satisfying. Yeah, I'm that yeah. person. I'm I know that. with my, uh, with Dobies, they get a lot of it on the, under the chin when they're adolescents. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Box, friends boxer gets it. This is slightly different, but mm. yeah, so satisfying. <laughs> but, That's grim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question, what do you think are your standout proudest moments of your career? What's the moment where you think, oh, wow, like me and my animals did that? Has there only been any moments where you've had to like nip yourself and think, gosh. I've been on a few big film sets where I'm like, this is amazing. You know, I can't believe I get paid to come and do this. It's really fun. There's a huge big set here that's Mm. quite well known and, you know, that sort of thing. But actually, it's more the sort of smaller moments. Like when you go on a set and you've got a whole crew, like, rolling their eyes because you've taken a cat and they're thinking, God, as you know, and they say to you, oh, don't worry, you know, don't worry if we don't get it. We don't expect you to be able to do it. You know, we know it's a cat. And then <laughs> yes. I'm like, 
I love that because then you go on and you tell the cat to lie down on the bed. And you're so proud of your cat. And I, and that is, that's it. I feel so proud of them for their little moments. But it could yeah. be thing like the bulldog holding the basket, Stanley. I felt so proud of him because it was such an achievement. Oh, We'd my had God, to- that makes me, that makes my eyes well up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, it's the smaller things. It's those little things when you feel like, do you know what, mate, you've just made me look like a really good trainer and actually I winged it and you nailed it for me. You know what I mean? It's those, those little moments, cats especially, I think, because no one expects that the cats are going to be able to do what they're told. And when they do, it's really And you and the cat are both stood there with your chest puffed out like, "Hmm." yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. (laughs) Exactly that. That's such a good answer. I love it. Yeah. So now we're at the end of episode 29. I'm just going to finish off by asking Laura my quick fire questions. I just want really quick, honest answers, Laura, and no bull. So are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so your dog food of choice. Raw. Your favourite place to walk. Uh, like out in the, in the woods, countryside, along a river. Nice. Number of dogs under your roof. I'll give you a minute to count. Eight. <laughs> if you were a dog, what breed of dog do you think you'd be? Oh, big fat Labrador. Green, <laughs> lazy. Oh, so it's definitely a chocolate Labrador. <laughs> no, they're, they're far too excitable for me. I'm like the fat old black show lab. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Your favourite holiday destination? Mountains and lakes. Mm, yeah. Your favourite breed of dog, would it be Border Collie? That is the hardest one. Actually, I grew up with an Airedale who I was absolutely obsessed with, and one day I will have another Airedale in my life. Yeah. Um, also, always have a Collie. So yeah, you, you can have both. That's cool. I have quite a few favourite dog breeds, but yeah. I do love a good Airedale. Me too. I'm like I'm like you. Obviously, I adore a poodle, like a doby, and then I, I really like whippets. I like anything yeah. with a really long nose. You give me a dog with a long nose, and I'm in love. <laughs> There's a lady I follow on Instagram called the Airedale Lady, and she, I think she's also a groomer. Um, oh, wow. I'll have a look. She's got three Airedales, and they're absolutely gorgeous. And every time I look at them, I'm like, I want. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a look for now. Let's have a look. You see, the thing is with these accounts. Oh, she follows me. I'm gonna follow her back. Hello. I'm following her back. Lovely. Those are gorgeous. You know, the thing is with people's Instagram like this. Where is she? There's no face. I know. I don't know what she looks like. I don't know what you look like. We need to see your face. And last question is, what's your worst nightmare dog breed to own? Obviously, I know I say this to everyone, we're all dog lovers, but what would not be for you? Daniel. Oh, yeah, working cocker. I can't bear that whole thing when they're in the house. And they're just staring at you. My... Like, I've had things where I've had working cockers here, and they're staring at me. I have to put something in front of them, and then they're like this peeping behind and then the tails just like this oh they're just mental oh don't get me wrong i do know some lovely working cockers and i know they're super smart and they are very much a passion for people i'm just not a cocker spaniel person just not for you not to live with all of (laughs) cocker and cocker spaniel friends know how i feel (laughs) they know (laughs) that i love them for loving their dog but no i don't ever want one okay to stay for a sleepover but bye-bye
can't be dealing with the smelly yeasty ears. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I really love them, like you say. I, I, I couldn't live with one either. Oh, too, this is, this is too busy, too busy. They're always here, they're like obsessively healed. Like, <laughs> oh, pretty face. Get off me, be like, just get off me. The bird is bad enough, he's like that. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> now that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me and Laura Ingall. We'd be delighted if you gave us both a follow on Instagram. Laura can be found at pets underscore on underscore set. So that's pets on set with an underscore in between. Thank you everybody for listening. And please don't forget to rate Five Stars with Make My Day and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. And a big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this episode. Obviously, my dogs are powered by Natural Instinct and Instinct and they are thriving. They even do a puppy food, which my newest addition, Gigi, is mad for. So to receive 15% off, head over to the website and apply the code Verity15. That's a bye from us. Bye. Bye.